Well, let me tell you a little secret about myself. I like missions. <laughs> I don't know if that surprised anyone at all, but we just wrapped up uh, an amazing Christmas Eve offering. And we were blown away by God's faithfulness and your generation. And I was told that this may have been the largest Christmas Eve offering we have recorded. Do you want to know the number? Over $78,000 was given to found the Toronto Christian School in Albania. Woo, I think that's a, that is something worthy of celebration. Yeah, we partner with Londi and Deanne Sula, uh, who are part of this ministry, and they want to send a video to say thank you. Hi, Eastminster. It's a joy to be able to be with you today. Thank you so much for being a part of our lives. We wish you the best of this new year and that God will continue to work and, and bless you in all that you have and all that you're doing for his kingdom and for his glory. We're so very thankful for the Christmas offering for the school. What an amazing gift, way above and beyond what we had hoped for. And it's just a beautiful thing to see how God provides. And the school is going to be able to take a big sigh of relief and to get right down to getting everything accomplished for the next uh, coming up school year in 2023. Uh, thank you for um, stepping out with us, partnering with us and being generous. I probably said this on the last video, but I just want to say it again. Um, the, the church probably has a lot of problems like everywhere in the world, but you need to know what kind of amazing church and fellowship is series. The heart that you guys have for the mission, um, yeah, just encourage me and put me in worship. So um, may God return all the blessing that you are for international church, and especially for, for Albanian ones. So thank you, thank you so much. May God bless you in this year and be a blessed year for each of your family. That is incredible. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and as you heard from the video, this is a place that has a heart for missions. And I think that's awesome because I, I believe that missions reflect the heart of God. Think about it. From the very first created human being on this planet, God began to seek out people and restore them to a relationship with himself. After Adam and Eve sinned, their relationship with God was broken because that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. And after Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They covered themselves. And God said, where are you? Adam, Eve, where are you? And they said, we are hiding because we're naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? God knew 
where they were. God knew what they had done. He didn't even need to ask those questions. But in his mercy and in his compassion, God sought them out gently. And he offered them forgiveness and he created a path for them moving forward to be restored to him. Church, is that not also the purpose of missions? This happens throughout the entire Old Testament. God sends people to restore people. God sent his prophets to people far from God, who forgot about God, who turned their backs on the one true God. And these prophets called the people to repentance, called them back to God. Is that not the purpose of missions? And that brings us to our text today, which is found in Mark chapter 1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judah, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, I I thought about dressing like John the Baptist this morning to, you know, further that point. Uh, but I opted for this non-camel hair outfit instead. Uh, This guy was not the most fashion-forward individual. Let's be clear about this. This was not a a Giorgio Armani look that was donning the runways in Jerusalem. Nor was John dressed like this because he was poor. He wasn't wearing someone's handmade hand-me-down No, John chose this outfit uh, intentionally. It was symbolic of a prophet that had come before him, and that was the prophet Elijah. Now, we at Eastminster have a Presbyterian culture that you might understand. Often you will see someone, especially in, in this service, wearing a robe like this, Now, have you seen this robe before? Yeah, who's this robe? Is this my robe? Now, it belongs to that man right there. Uh, in, in years to come, maybe 10 years down the road, if, if a pastor came onto the stage and they wore this robe, you would be reminded. You'd think, hey, isn't this 
wasn't that Pastor Stan's room? And it would bring back a lot of memories for you. But none of you sitting here would think, a hundred years from now, someone wears this robe, oh, it's Pastor Stan. He's back after hundreds of years to now start a second career here at Eastminster. But back in the Jewish audience of this time, they would have thought that. Um, They assumed that Elijah had returned. And if Elijah returned, that means God's return is imminent. The end is near. They thought that because of what happened back in 2 Kings. Back in 2 Kings, Elijah, he was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. His body was never buried. And the first century rabbis were teaching that Elijah is alive and will return before the Messiah appears. Now, during this time also, Rome had come in. They had set up residence here and they proclaimed their dominance over the people of Israel. Inscriptions of this time tell us that the Roman belief was that Emperor Caesar, son of God, God Augustus, they believed that Caesar was the son of God. God is Augustus. And this was very counter to all the things that Israel believed. They believe that there is only one God, one king, one ruler over everything, and they were waiting for this God to come back and to establish a kingdom on earth that would rid the earth of evil, that would get rid of injustice and bring mercy, that would cease their oppression. Because in a time of great upheaval, people need hope. People need hope. And John, who was called the baptizer, came preaching a message to the Jewish nation that they had been longing to hear. And if they believed that this was Elijah who had returned, Of course people are going to flock and to see and to hear John's message. He is the voice in the wilderness calling out to people to return to God. Repent of your sins. Turn to God and be restored and be forgiven. And they did. They did just that. And he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now back in, even here, back in uh, the times that the Bible was written, baptism, this concept, it wasn't something that was new to them. John didn't create this so he could have a cool nickname, the Baptist. This was a cleansing ritual that was part of the Jewish culture. Now, is anyone in here heading to Israel with Pastor Stan? 
Right? Have anyone been to Israel before? So several of you, you might have seen this. I'm going to show a picture on the screen. This is a, a mikvah. A mikvah is used in the ceremonial cleansing. It is a pool in which when you are unclean, you, you ascend the steps. You immerse yourself completely and you come back up, either the opposite side or the opposite side of the stairs. This was used for ceremonial cleansing and it had to be done over and over again because you would become ceremonial unclean over and over again. Um, you could, might call this a, a do-it-yourself baptism. <laughs> so John uses this procedure that the culture already understands. It was meant for cleansing, so what's he do? He calls them to repent, to become spiritually clean and turn to God and then go into the waters of baptism. And during all of this, John would have been preaching. He was the one crying out, yelling in the wilderness. He would have been preaching, but Mark does not record for us uh, a transcript of John's message because that wasn't the purpose here in Mark, but instead he gives us this soundbite in, in verse seven. When John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was a sign of things to come. He is the forerunner to someone much greater than him. Someone so great that John didn't even find himself worthy of the menial task of stooping down and untying this person's shoe. And we know from the next part in Mark that this person is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. God who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus, the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. It is Jesus, the miracle worker, the prayer teacher, the disciple maker, the forgiver of sins, the restorer of people, and the savior of the world. This is the person that John says, I am not worthy of. And church, neither are we. But John was given the task. He was sent to get people ready for Jesus. God sends people to restore people. Baptism is not an act of salvation. Now, Pastor Stan explained why we baptize children as part of the covenant, as part of a sign of things to come. We also baptize adults who confess Jesus. 
This is a public proclamation by a believer stating that they have surrendered their life to Jesus. It is an act of worship just like this morning. It was an act of worship for everyone here on the platform and all of you that were here to watch it. Baptism is that act of worship. And just as a side application here, if you were here and you have not been baptized, I would love to talk with you, as would Pastor Stan, more about what that is in your walk with Jesus. But not only is this an act of obedience and worship, there is some beauty and mystery in the way that Jesus meets us during these sacraments, both in in baptism and in communion. But John, he says, he baptized with water. We also baptize with water. But Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will come and live within you because if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have confessed him as your Lord and Savior, Scripture tells us that your body is now a temple for the Holy Spirit. John, the baptizer, understands this, and he says, who am I in this process? I am not worthy. In Mark, he uses a few Old Testament scriptures here, and he says there is a messenger to prepare the way, and he tells us that this person is John, the one to prepare the way of the Lord's coming. John is a man actively involved in spreading a gospel message. And he didn't understand the full scope of what this message was at the time. He was still living it as it was happening. But John prepared the way for Jesus. He got people ready to meet Jesus. Calling them to repent of their sins and turn to God. And is this not what we do in missions? We are called to that same level of commitment as Christians. Not necessarily stand on the street corner and and shout at people. I don't encourage that. But to be actively engaged in Spreading the gospel message, telling people about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It is our job as followers of Christ to get people ready to meet him. God sends people, God sends you as a follower of Jesus to those who do not know Jesus so that they can be restored. Eastminster understands this, and that is why there is a high value on missions. People want hope. People need hope. And that hope is found in Jesus. We send people as missionaries to share this message. We get involved locally 
and globally for this purpose. We support workers who do this locally here in Wichita, in our presbytery, throughout our nation, and in strategic areas of the world. And you can be involved in this also. So I want to prepare you right now. I want you to get out a pen, pencil, paper, pull out your cell phone, open up your notes section. I want you, no one's moving. I'm serious. Get out your pen, open up your purse, get out a piece of paper. There we go. Because I want to give you an opportunity to get involved and I'm going to give you some ways and as they come into your mind, this is the way I think I can serve, just jot it down. And before I tell you more about this, I just want to pause and pray over you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just take a moment to pause and pray over my people here. Lord, I pray that your spirit would touch their mind, touch their hearts, open their eyes to ways that they can be involved in your kingdom work in which they had not known before. I pray that you would urge us forward, nudge us through your spirit to respond to your call and be involved and an active participant in sharing the gospel message. Lord, I pray this over the people, and I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So church, we are part of a denomination. Can you tell me what this denomination is? I'm just, I, you're all muffled out there, but I heard Presbyterian. Yes, we are the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. That is our denomination, the EPC. And the EPC has a, a missions arm called World Outreach, or WO. So the EPC, WO, or World Outreach, their goal is to make disciples and plant churches among those with the least access to the gospel. These are people who have not heard the name of Jesus or who have never met a real Christian. These are countries where there are few or no visible churches and a very limited access to the gospel. Our EPC World Outreach has 84 missionary families or singles serving in hard places around the globe. Our denomination understands that a lot of missionaries go to where there's already a well-established church. And the EPCA thinks that's not quite fair. Most statistics say that one in 10 international workers go to un, one in 10, only one in 10 go to unreached or unengaged people. So the EPC has chosen intentionally to go to the hard places. And you have an opportunity to meet some of these people very soon. And this is where you need your pen, paper, your cell phone to start writing down some ideas that might spark an interest in you. On February 24th and 26th, we have our Go Encounter event. If you remember back in the fall of 2021, we had our Go Encounter. Um, we focused on the Middle East and we had camels outside the gym and you heard many stories from our workers. 
This year, you have a taste of what life and ministry looks like in the hard places, where it is difficult and often dangerous to share the gospel. And we're calling it the Go Encounter Restricted. It's an immersive weekend designed for families to be engaged together in missions, to hear stories from our missions partners who minister through tough places. Now, our denomination stated clerk, that's what we call our denomination's like head guy, the president, is coming to be our keynote speaker. You will get to participate in interactive activities like a cooking class, making cards that we will send to our partners, engaging in a secret church meeting. And this is the biggest missions event that we do all year. And you're not going to want to miss this. So you can scan the QR code right now. Registration's open. You can go to eastminster.org slash goencounter. Or you can take this um, connect card in front of you and you can write go encounter, saying that you want to come to this and we will help you register if you need that help. And if you register before January 31st, you'll have an opportunity to be entered into um, receiving a gift card from one of the restaurants which will be supplying the food at this event. All right, let me test your knowledge. You've heard the tagline here at the church, we all go. Help me fill in the blanks. We all go to the ends of the... Yes, we got them both just mixed up here. But yes, to the ends of the street and to the ends of the earth. But you, you understand that you've heard that. And we mean that. Because it is our job to get people ready to meet Jesus. And God uses us. Eastminster currently supports 55 missions partners. And to make missions manageable, we divide it into two groups. We have a world group and a local group. Uh, Wendy and I cannot do this alone. And we have more than 60 volunteers involved in care teams and active ministry serving alongside us. These teams communicate with, pray for, and visit our missions partners. I want to pause. If you are involved in missions right now, I'm just going to ask you to stand. So we have people in this room who have a strong commitment, and I think we just want to take a pause for a moment and just say thank you for that. We accomplish this mission on the world side uh, by echoing our denomination's focus. Our vision is, is to facilitate the planting of churches in unreached or unengaged people groups. Because of this, we focus on three regions of the world, which you can see, the Balkans, East Africa, and MENA, which stands for Middle East, North Africa. We also have a legacy team uh, who meets, and these are, um, this is a team who supports workers that we have supported for years and decades that don't necessarily fit these three regions. So there is that fourth team called Legacy. On the local side, we also have three teams. We have our ICT team, which is our, focuses on the local Wichita ministries like that of Embrace and the Union Rescue Mission. 
We have our youth and student team, which focuses on youth and students with an emphasis at WSU. It includes things like Young Life, Westminster Woods, Washington Elementary. And then we have our RNO team, which stands for Regional National Outreach. So they work on um, ministries outside our city limits here, like World Impact and the EPC Church Planters. You can join any of these teams. And if you join, it is not a lifelong commitment. You can join it for a year, taste and see what and how we do missions here. You can come talk to Wendy and I, or you can talk to one of the missions elders, and we would invite you to go into that deeper level and be vested in a team. In fact, we are currently relaunching one of our teams, the ICT team, which is led by Jean Ann Ebright. Jean Ann, give a wave. We are relaunching this team, and we need people to minister alongside the partners that we have locally here. And if that's one way that you want to be vested, invested here at Eastminster, I encourage you to talk to me, talk to Jean Ann directly, because we need people to serve on that team. In addition to joining a missionary care team, there are lots of ways you can get involved. So I have a slide up here. You can become a lunch buddy. We've talked about this in the past. It is a chance for you to go once a week to meet with a student at Washington Elementary. And it is a, it is a very, um, uh, it's an opportunity to mentor a child once a week. Having lunch, playing with them, spending time with them, talking with them. You can become a friendship partner with an international student at WSU. Uh, if you're interested in that, we have training tomorrow night here at the church between 7 and 9. You can sign up for the Eastminster Go E-News, which is a, uh, it comes out every other Thursday. It tells you about events. It tells you stories from our missions partners. It's everything Eastminster Missions. You can sign up to take a perspectives class. There is one that started on the east side and one that has just started on the west side. It's a 15-week course that really exposes your eyes to God's heart for the world through missions. The first two weeks are free to attend, and if you want to continue after that and need help, we will offer you a scholarship to do that. You can go on a short-term missions trip. You can be involved in short-term missions trip through either praying for someone who's going on a trip, being their prayer partner, by supporting them financially, or you can go yourself and be on the field. This year, we're looking at three possible trips, and we will announce those at the Go Encounter. You can volunteer at the Go Encounter also. If any of these things interest you, you can scan the QR code and just check off anything in there. You can go to eastminster.org slash missions and click the volunteer button. Or again, you can take that connect card in front of you and write any of these things on it because we want to help you get connected with God's heart for the world in missions and what we do here. Missions reflects the heart of God. 
and we invite you to connect with our church and our denomination as we join with God's redemptive purposes for the world. God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way, to get people ready for Jesus, and we have that same privilege to get in on the action also, to plant seeds, to meet people's needs, to show love, and to explain the good news. And I'll end with this. As the famous medical missionary to Africa, David Livingston once said, God had an only son, and he made him a missionary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we see your heart for people. We see your redemptive act all throughout history. And we know that will continue all the way until your return. Lord, allow us to continue to be part of that. Build on the legacy that you have established here so that even more will be involved. And I pray that we will be sending out our own people who have come up from this church and are now going out onto the field. Lord, I pray that our people will take a step to get involved because, Lord, it is your heart to bring people back to you. We thank you that we can be part of that. We thank you for that blessing. Lord, we give you our thanks in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.